0: Again to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one half the show. My name is Jeff. The other part is uh, from our remote studios in the Pacific Northwest. It is Mark A. Johnston. Mark, baseball's over. It's
1: done. Oh man, don't do that to me so quickly. <laughs> uh it's always trouble for me handling when the end of baseball season is the the world series is can be so incredibly climactic and then all of a sudden you're going when does spring training start again a hundred days a hundred days i know you know when
0: we're recording this pitchers and catchers report in 100 days so when you hear this it'll be 98 days that's right flying by we're getting there. <laughs> but you, you you said it. The World Series ended on Saturday night. So let's just, I'd like to remind everybody of this very famous quote by Rogers Hornsby, where he said, quote, people ask me what I do in the winter when there's no baseball. I tell you what I do. I stare out the window and wait for spring. So let us be spring. And this podcast is is the listeners' windows. And we will keep you. <laughs> You know, uh, I'm thinking about baseball until then. How about that?
1: We are, we're the windows to baseball, and that's unfortunate for us because it's really cold out.
0: We're stuck outside. Uh, things I never thought we would have to weigh in on, uh, but yet we here we are. Uh, no hitters in the World Series not being as impressive if they are combined.
1: Oh, well, come on. Of course.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's 2022 and here we are. Uh, I also saw people complaining uh, about why the World Series MVP is named after Willie Mays and not Mickey Mel. OK, well, there are some thoughts, people, that you can just keep to yourself unless you have a weekly podcast, then let them rip. But otherwise, just right. you don't <laughs>
1: you have every right to do so. We'll support you 100 percent.
0: Yeah, but you don't need to. Just keep some of these to yourself, people. All right, but let's uh, let's get into BP. This is you know this is kind of our our cool down BP because the, the regular season, well, the postseason's over too. Mark, recently we've made the list of some top baseball podcasts, uh, top whiskey podcasts, and top yes. Sabrina the Teenage Witch podcasts, which surprised me. But uh, this week we were snubbed, my friend. What? Uh, the uh, we did not make the final list. For the fifth annual Canadian Podcast Awards. Oh my gosh. I have my speech and everything ready. I had just uh, dusted off the old Canadian tuxedo as well.
1: Yeah. From yeah, head I, to that's toe. That's
0: a and euphemism and, for what is, never mind. Denim. <laughs> no, that's denim head to toe. That's a Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> so please, uh, listeners, please write your Congress people. Let them know if you are as upset as we are. Yes. So the, uh, the Astros beat the Phillies in, uh, in six games, which is odd, because now the Phillies have never played in a Game 7 in their 140-year history. That is crazy. Never. World Series, 1915, 1950, 1980, 1983, NLCS in 93, World Series in 93, NLCS in 2008, World Series in 2008. NLCS and World Series in 2009, NLCS in 2010, and both the NLCS and World Series this year all ended in games either 4, 5, or 6. So That's amazing. Yeah, the Phillies have never played in a winner-take-all game in the postseason, which is weird. weird. Yeah, They've been around a while, I heard. Yeah, 140 years. That's a good chunk of time. Yeah. <laughs> yes compared to almost anything yes (laughs) all right now this is completely off topic but still yet on topic the philly fanatic all right first of all one of the rare mascots i actually enjoy he's hysterical
1: i I think he's amazing
0: yeah i think he and the chicken might be the only two mascots i enjoy well, I don't know. There might be some others I, I can stand, but I love the Philly fanatic. Plus, John Smoltz hates the Philly fanatic, so there's oh. another reason to like him. Uh, but apparently, the fanatic doesn't play around. I found some video from 2011 where there was some kind of mascot game going on. I'm not sure if this was a an all-star thing or what, because there was the the Rangers mascot was like the catcher or behind home plate or something. But the Fanatic was on the mound, and his mom came to bat, which did you know that the, the Philly Fanatic's mom is named Phoebe Fanatic?
1: I did not know it was Phoebe. I've seen the Philly Fanatic's mom. Oh. And uh, she, this, the family resemblance is very impressive.
0: Yeah, so Fanatic is apparently a last name, and his first name is Philly, which I didn't oh. know that. But she was apparently crowding the plate. And in the same vein of Bob Gibson, he drilled her right in the snout. (laughs) Like that little nose, that little tongue thing came out. But she went down. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you got to do it sometimes. You crowd the plate, you got to do it. It's,
1: you know, that inner part of the plate, that that belonged to the pitchers. pitchers.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's see. A week or so ago, we played a clip from His Highness Joey Votto when he, he was discussing Randy Johnson and tipping his pitches. Remember that? Yes. Well, apparently, Randy Johnson did indeed, for real, tip his pitches. And I found this piece of video from Eduardo Perez during a a broadcast from the College World Series. Everybody knew Randy was uh, tipping his pitches. Randy apparently didn't. I go to Cooperstown, and I run into Randy Johnson. And Randy's with his son, and he he goes, hey, come over here real quick. This guy hit four home runs off me. And I said, yeah, you're in the Hall of Fame, and I'm not. And he goes, how'd you do it? And I said, well, I'll tell you now that you're retired. So I said, Randy, show me your fastball. He goes, this is my fastball. I said, OK, show me your slider. And he goes, this is my slider. And I said, Rain. so I took a selfie with Randy myself. Showing both. And he goes, are you serious? I said, you still threw 99 miles per hour. I still had to hit it. So <laughs> the, th- what those selfies showed was that when randy threw his fastball his glove that he you know he's holding it up in front of his hand with the ball would be closed but when he threw the slider he would have it spread wide open interesting yeah so that i mean that's really interesting from when was it game was it game three or four when the when the phillies just shellacked uh, lance mccullers yeah. And yeah. everybody was saying, you know, and, and there was the, the video of Bryce Harper, you know, yelling something and, and and stuff. And the video shows that his leg kick was definitely different on the different pitches he was throwing. And I think that's mm-hmm. what they zeroed in on along the same vein. Those things are sometimes <laughs> are so obvious and nobody sees them. But uh, well, at least for a while.
1: Well, and, and Randy, of course, so dominant that it didn't matter. In a lot of cases,
0: yeah. Like you said, you still throwing that ninety nine <laughs> miles per hour. You still gotta, you still gotta hit it. Uh, so, it. I thought, hey, I wanted to look up and see who had actually hit the most home runs off of Randy Johnson. Yeah, there's Eduardo Perez. He hit four along with a couple of a lot of these guys. You wouldn't think of hitting a lot of home runs off of Randy Johnson, but Ty Wigginton, Marquise Grissom, <laughs> Chris Hoyles, they hit four. Uh, Mark Marquise Grissom's the real outlier there Sammy Sosa hit four as well uh, A couple of guys hit five Now these names are much more Along the lines of who you expect Albert Pujols, Frank Thomas, Manny Ramirez And Juan Gonzalez But the one player who hit the most home runs Off of Randy Johnson with six Was Chipper Jones Oh wow Now what's incredible about that Is he only faced him 39 times Really? Yeah and uh, he, so he hit six home runs off him. Pools with his five home runs only faced him 26 times. Wow. Yeah. So those two guys really, really hit him well. But I thought that yeah, was and that's amazing. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Some of the names on those lists, I just did not expect to, to, to be there. Uh, players love playing in New York this is something that uh, we've talked about before the experience whether it be the Mets mainly the Yankees I think what they're talking about with the the crowd and just how into it is we've talked about Ken Griffey Jr. how he said he would have never played for the Yankees because of the way they treated him and his father when he was young well add Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to that list Oh, really? <laughs> this is what he said last week. Quote, I like to play in New York. I like to kill the Yankees. I would never sign with the Yankees, though. Not even dead. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how you sign when you're dead, but he will not do it. So Ron
1: Hubbard's been doing it for years.
0: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're gonna Now we're going to be on the top Scientologist. Oh, I, not again. Yes. Yeah. Again. We just got off that list. All right, something that is now notes to me, because, of course, before, Mark, it was unbeknownst, that's for yesterday. Yes, now it's notes. Yeah, now it's known is that Jose Canseco has a daughter named Josie Canseco, and she is apparently a model of some repute. No kidding. Now, I don't follow a lot of model news, so this might be... Nothing new to a lot of people, but uh, just found out that her name, though was Josie. I, I know he had a daughter that was doing something in the, on TikTok or Insta or something, but uh, Jose has been spouting off again on social media last week. Now he's targeting Aaron Judge, and he's calling him out and says he wants to have a home run contest with him, and he claims, Jose claims that he can hit a softball farther than Judge can hit a baseball.
1: Goodness gracious.
0: Do those teams still travel around MOB stadiums? that They they used to be sponsored by steel power tools.
1: Right. No, I haven't seen them in years. But I used to, yeah, they used to come around and hit the ball
0: ridiculous lengths, and it was crazy. A bunch of literal buildings that were disguised as men would, would show up, and they would just essentially have a home run contest. And I remember, I did see it once there at the Mariners, And they were hitting the back wall of the upper deck in left field. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I assume, though, that it's still easier to hit a baseball further than it would be a softball. And I think Jose is a little bit washed up, but I'm (laughs) (laughs) going to put my money on Judge. Because I remember Judge hit one there in Seattle that was like two or three rows from the back wall and left. Yeah. I don't think Jose can do that. Well, you know, they like
1: to say that Jose's steroid addiction has only made him stronger. So I just wanted to point that out.
0: Made him stupider, too, if, if that's possible. <laughs> I remember there was a teenager when I would wait each week for Sports Illustrated to arrive. Once they had a story about these teams and I was fascinated by them. And this is one thing that MLB doesn't really have, like the NBA, at, at least used to when I worked NBA games every week, uh, traveling acts. The NBA used to have like quick yeah. change, red panda, wiener dog races. Uh, MLB yeah. just doesn't do this. I don't even know that the minor leagues do it that much anymore. But we've talked about cow milking contests before. We need to bring those back for sure. Oh, yeah. How is that not already going on? I don't know. And Back I remember a Stadium
1: with a good cow milking contest.
0: <laughs> I remember in Atlanta, uh, Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin would come out and have driving contests from home plate when they weren't pitching. None of them were pitching that day at Turner Field, but these just these don't seem to happen anymore.
1: No, you're right. And you know what? At growing up, those were some of the funnest times.
0: Oh, yeah. Some of that craziness. Last week, when we were talking about Mickey Rivers, I mean, he did the, the world uh, record attempt before a game. That's right It's something we need to bring back All right. last thing before we get to Trivia Markets Award season, now the season is over Just a reminder That Ted Williams received MVP votes In every single season he played for Except for 1952 when he only appeared in 62 games But he only won twice He won the Triple Crown in two seasons And did not win the MVP award in either Okay Yeah 1942, he finished second to the Yankees' second baseman, Joe Gordon. That's Hall of Famer, Jordan. That's Hall of Famer, Joe Gordon, because he was inducted in 2009 alongside Jim Rice and some left fielder who stole some bases, I'm told. Yeah. Williams led the league in war, run scored, home runs, RBI, walks, batting average, on base, slugging, and OPS that year. Gordon led the league in exactly zero categories. Now, this is an MVP award, remember, not MVP of the team, but for the best player in the league. But somehow, no, didn't make it. Uh, the year before, Ted Williams only hit four oh six. Again, led the league in home runs, but again came in second to a Yankee. I mean, at least this time it was Joe DiMaggio who, <laughs> you know, that his season blows Joe Gordon's out of the water, but still not as good as right. as Ted Williams. In 1947, Joe D again beat out Williams. This time, there was no excuse as to why. Another triple crown for Williams. His war was double that of DiMaggio's, who didn't lead the league in anything other than being married to Marilyn Monroe. I don't know if he was married to her that year, but I'm still going to say it. Right. But, you know, that's a category that's pretty important to it, me. It is, but it probably shouldn't overshadow everything that goes on <laughs> in the field. Not everything. You're right, of course. So Ted Williams could have realistically won five MVP awards. And of course, we can't forget that he lost three complete seasons when he served in the military. That's right. All right, Mark, let's get to trivia. Last week I asked the question: when exactly was the first World Series game played at night? When exactly? Like, I mean, I just wanted to know when. I didn't need the exact date and time but if you the gave time. me if you said game number blank of this world series then you're right so uh mark do you have any idea um no no okay. no i didn't give it any thought either I just want to be honest that... <laughs> he's not the best in the business for nothing folks that's is right. uh but that might be why we didn't make the canadian podcast awards list <laughs> right there nobody in canada listens to us All right. The answer is, in fact, game number four of the 1971 World Series. So that means at least three games of 71 World Series. Well, and I mean, that was the A's. So I've seen highlights of that. There were definitely day games during that World Series. But I would love, well, I guess it's impossible because, you know, I was going to say on the weekends have Saturday or Sunday games, BD games. But you're up against college football and NFL. So, yeah, yeah, that's probably just not going to happen.
1: I love the Saturday day game, personally.
0: I do, too. I will usually watch Saturday day games if the A's aren't playing, just because I love to watch day games. Yeah. really do. Uh, All right, so we had a couple of people get this right. First of all, Brian Krauss, a usual listener. He also, I missed it last week. He got the question right last week, but uh, I had missed that, so I apologize there. Also, let's see, Trey Watson, Shane Swarsnack, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and Kim P also. Uh, sent us some answers that were correct. So thank you very much. This week as as a, a makeup here for for Brian Kraus and for getting him. We are going to have a submitted question from Brian. You know, is is one of our longtime listeners, very active with us on Twitter and social media. We appreciate that. So here is his question that he asked and I do not know the answer to this. I'm going to put a little bit of thought into it. I am definitely going to have to pull up the old baseball reference uh, when I think about this. He said there are four players who have cards in the 1963 Fleer baseball card set as well as the 1991 set. Who are they? Now did First of all, Fleer was Fleer around in 1963? <laughs> I guess so. Now I just copied and pasted. Yeah, there it is. Fleer 1963. I just assumed that they were only tops until the <laughs> until the mid 80s, but there you go, Fleer. Put some thought into it, Mark. I'm going to have to put some thought into it, too, because like I said, I do not know the answer this week.
1: Okay, I will think about this one. I promise. Okay. All
0: right, Mark, uh, it is that time. We needed a little bit of a week off because we've been invested in the World Series this year, this year, this last week. So it is time for uh, one of our shorter segments that we call Tales from the Dugout. This is not the book. It's not the book, this is the, the actual, book. this is our segment And uh, this is going to be version number 29 on show number 190 So uh, let's get started, Mark, I'm going to go first And then we'll uh, do a little tag team action and go back and forth here I wanted to talk about this, I had this, I thought about talking about it last week But I wanted to wait till the World Series was over It does have to do with the Philly fans, or it does have to do with the Phillies And in case you didn't know, uh, Mark and listeners, Philly fans are a little bit different They'll they'll boo Santa Claus without even thinking about it. Yeah, they are.
1: They are. Yes. And I mean that in a good way.
0: There is a reason there is a jail in the the stadiums in Philadelphia. You know, it's not there just for show. Not news in itself uh, that Philly fans are a little bit different, but there is one fan. His name is Matt Edwards, who apparently does not like to use the bathroom alone. What uh, Matt Edwards has done at his house so that he does not have to enter the the restroom alone is he has created the relief room. His bathroom pays tribute to his favorite team and the relievers that have brought him a lot of joy and probably even a lot more pain because he is a Phillies fan. (laughs) His bathroom, the relief room, is covered with pictures, bobbleheads, baseball cards, other memorabilia. The only real rule is that they have to have been a Phillies reliever at some point in their career. Even the soap dispenser and tissue box are adorned with Phillies baseball cards. (laughs) So how did this come to to be, you might be asking? Well, Edwards explained that they were all fired up after they won the World Series in 08. So his dad printed out a picture of Brad Lidge celebrating down on his knees after striking out Eric Hinsky. And his dad said, you know, I just I need to see this every day. I'm going to hang it up somewhere. Mom's not letting me hang it anywhere else. So I'm going to put it in the bathroom. That picture was shortly joined by a picture of Tug McGraw celebrating after the 1980 World Series victory, and from there it just continued to roll. Inclusion is kind of a fluid thing, but there are some rules. One, no active players will be inducted. This is known as the Durbin rule after reliever Chad Durbin. Durbin was reacquired by the Phillies in 2013, and following uh, this acquisition, Somebody gifted the relief room a Chad Durbin-signed baseball, and it was the first time an active player was added to the room. Well, upon uh, rejoining the Phillies, 16 innings into his stint as a Philly, again, he had an ERA of nine, and uh, Durbin (laughs) was immediately removed from the (coughs) relief room, and therefore the Durbin rule was instituted, and only retired players could qualify for membership. There are cards that Edwards uh, got from his youth collecting Phillies, his favorite team, as well as gifts from all over the country, as people found out about it. Some things are even custom-made. There are movie posters that have been donated that incorporate Phillies relievers, such as Antonio Alfonseca, who, if you remember, famously had six fingers on his pitching hand. You know who else had six fingers on their hands? Uh, I'm going to guess Mordecai Brown. (laughs) Well, no, he... Well, I mean, if you... Added No Because he had eight <laughs> Right Because he had three On one hand but well, yeah. I wanted to name The only guy Whose name had Fingers in it Well what about Count Tyrone Rugen Or Ruggan? I don't know How you pronounce that oh, From the, the Count, Princess Pride. Yeah sure Yeah My name is Diego Montoya That Yeah Oh so they made a poster There are some more Recent players Others are from way back Such as Phil Collins Who Obviously Susu's studio Certainly deserves a spot In the relief room I mean Hall of Fame stuff Wait, no, that's actually Philly's reliever uh, Phil Collins from 1929 through 34. That's my mistake. Oh, nice. Position players are eligible as well, as long as they've thrown a pitch. So Wilson Valdez, Tomas Perez, Jimmy Fox, Greg Gross, Glenn Wilson, and Jeff Francoeur are also hung in the relief room. I really hope that the Glenn Wilson picture is the Glenbow version of uh, Glenn Wilson's Rambo alter ego with the, the balls and all that stuff. I hope that's the one they used. Some players, however, are banned. Jonathan Papelbon. <laughs> Edwards said, quote, I'd push that guy down the steps if I ever met him. And, quote. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, some other guys, uh, Billy Wagner, Ricky Batalico. <laughs> he had some choice words. I'm not going to repeat those. J.C. Romero, just because uh, Edwards' dad just hated him. Just <laughs> didn't, didn't care for him. Uh, Riel Cormier. Now, Real Cormier has apparently come in, been removed, come back in and then removed. Uh, he's uh, kind of he's he's been in and out, but he's now been banned. Uh, as I said, membership is fluid. Edward's biggest goal for the relief room is to have an actual Phillies reliever relieve themselves in the relief room. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, no surprise, however, that show favorite Larry Anderson is indeed hanging in the relief room When Edwards met Larry at an event, he told him about this room And uh, he started off by saying, hey, Larry, nice to meet you uh, I've got a 8x10 uh, signed by you that's hanging in my bathroom To which Larry Anderson replied, quote, well, that's the best spot for it <laughs> Of course. There you have it. The Phillies relief room. That's outstanding.
1: And, and uh, I don't think my wife's going to go for it, but I kind of want to do a, a Mariner's relief room now. It's, uh, you know, we've, we've got about as much success with bullpens, with the exception of the last couple of years. Uh, our bullpen wasn't exactly stellar the first few years of the franchise. And, and especially uh, my favorite pitcher, Flush Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Do your damn story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So here's one for you. We got to go way back in history for this one. All the way back to 2018. Oh, boy. I don't know if I can remember. Yeah. Put your way back hat on. And May 15th, 2018, a guy named Juan Soto hasn't ever batted before. Gets up to the plate. Hits a home run. And uh, it it was a very exciting time for everyone involved. Of course, he was you know, a teenager at the time. Um, But that game never got finished. At least it didn't. At that time, there was some rain. There was some delays. They had to postpone the game. So five days later, Soto comes out. He's making his major league debut. So you know what that means? That means that the May 15th game was actually finished in June. So Soto technically hit a home run in the major leagues before his major league debut. I just think he's the only person to have ever done
0: that. I remember a couple of years ago, the A's got uh, the, the game was delayed. It was it was in Detroit because of rain. And so they picked it up when Detroit came to Oakland and fires. I mean, the A's were ahead by like five runs. So fires was in line to get the win. And the big thing was, wow, maybe fires will pitch, be the starting pitcher for the game you know, the actual game that's supposed to take place after they finish up that game in Oakland. So we could have gotten two wins in one day. <laughs> that's awesome. Now Juan Soto, boy, one of my favorites. Yeah, he's amazing. Well, he's a Wonder great player. It. I can't stand watching him at the plate, but that's just because <laughs> I get annoyed by a lot of things, but you know what? I'm not going to complain about it. There you go. Going so Mark, I'm going to, if that was the way back machine, get ready to get into the way, 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 way back machine. We're going to set the dial to July 14th, 1903. So We're going to go to St. Paul, Minnesota. It's Wilmar versus Benson. Now, I'm I'm sure, Mark, that you remember this one, right? Oh, I have a Wilmar versus Benson pennant. Yes. Hanging in my room. <laughs> I mean, and you also know what I'm going to talk about when I say 1903, Wilmar taking on Benson. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, here we go again.
1: Yeah, I love this one.
0: Yeah, well, okay, so it's scoreless heading into the 10th inning. I don't know if it was an exciting game or if it was boring, because it could go either way if it's scoreless. Uh, the teams, for some reason, choose to ignore the ghost runner rule and decide to play it old school, right? Right. So Thielman, that's all we know. His name is Thielman. I'm assuming that's a last name. He leads off the bottom of the 10th inning. He has already tossed 10 shutout innings for uh for Wilmar or Benson, I don't remember who the team is. He's the pitcher, but now he's batting because that's the way they do it. Uh, he was <laughs> uh, he was tired, but he still manages to get a base hit. All right. So then here comes O'Toole again. Assuming that's a last name. But he's definitely the guy that you want up in this situation like this one. So he drives the ball into deep center field, over the center fielder's head. Thielman rounds second, and with his last burst of energy. I mean, this dude needs some Red Bull or something. He slides into third base. Well, O'Toole is right behind him, and he rounds second base and heads to third base, and as he gets there, he realizes that Thielman is there, still on the bag, on the ground, not moving. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. He's dead tired. (laughs) Third base a long ways away, man. Well, yeah, he's pitched 10 shutout innings, too. I'm guessing there was no fence in the outfield either, because this is taking a long time for the center fielder to track down the ball and get it back into the infield. Well, O'Toole obviously can't pass Thielman or he'll be out. So what does he do? He picks him up and carries him from third to home, drops him on the plate first, and then touches home plate ...for a two-run inside the park home run. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, okay, ignoring the fact that this breaks like 16 basic rules of the game, the team is celebrating this walk-off. So I guess this was in the bottom of the of the inning. It's all coming together now. All right, so, uh, so you know, he dumps him on home plate there. Everybody's celebrating, right? But uh, O'Toole is still just on the ground there at home plate. <laughs> <laughs> so they're jumping around. I don't think they really celebrated walk offs like they do today. But, you know, there was some hearty handshakes and maybe some, some pats on the back. But O'Toole's still there. So a doctor comes out of the stands and uh, <laughs> leans over Thielman and then uh, says, uh, This guy's dead. <laughs> oh my gosh. He was not just dead tired. He was dead. Yes. Uh, but it's so a dead man scored the winning run. And thusly, the idea for Weekend at Bernie's was born. <laughs> oh, what a tool. Yeah. I, how can you not be romantic about baseball? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I don't believe this ever happened, but it was in the newspaper. It was printed in the newspaper. So at some point, I'm sure uh, there were a good number of people who did think this happened. But uh, that's that's as much info as I could find. I, I would never want to die at third base. You don't want to have the last deaths at third base. No, you're stranded because he's stranded there essentially, exactly. right? It's gonna be very hard to score him. Never the birth or the, the death on third base. Just shouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's one of the main rules is never right. die uh on third base with no or two outs. <laughs> so, <no. laughs> yeah. Yeah exactly. Oh well, I was gonna talk a little bit about
1: um a little ancient history and and by that I mean Ichiro Suzuki.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> your, your version of Wayback Machine and agent history is a lot different than mine. It's all relative, Jeff. It's all relative. I, I'm an older
1: guy, so it, things seem, I don't even know what that means. Anyway, going on, Ichiro started his major league career at age 27 and had 3,089 major league hits. So I started thinking, what if everyone on the 3,000 hit club had started their career at age 27 and the the list gets real interesting. Uh, you're still your leader all time is still Pete Rose with 3,357 hits. You know, he got a lot those last, uh, what, 84, 85, 86. He was like in his 40s, mid 40s maybe. I remember him using an actual walker in, in Montreal to get down the line. Uh, he, but he was, you know, Charlie Hustle, The 3,000 hit club, Al K-Line, who was a very young star. Only 1,617 hits. Uh, Your favorite guy for me to talk about, Robin Yunt, 1,779. Ricky Henderson made 2,000, 2,033 hits. And uh, Honus Wagner, only 2,766. Only uh, If everybody had started at 27, like Ichiro, only Pete Rose and his playing until he was in his 80s would top Ichiro's uh, all-time hits.
0: Well, did you see this? Speaking of Ichiro, there was video of last week. Ichiro... And uh, K Matsuzaka were on a team playing an exhibition game against a, I'm not sure if it was a girls high school team or if it was one of the uh, women's professional teams in Japan, but uh, Ichiro was on the mound and pitched and K was at shortstop. Nice. Yeah. And uh, Dice K actually made a really nice play. He had to range to his left. He caught it and like spun around and threw it to first and just got the, the runner. It was uh, it was really they look like they're having a good time out there.
1: <laughs> these, these athletes, man, I swear they can continue to do that stuff.
0: Yeah, so we mentioned that the uh, Climax series ended a week ago. They're already playing exhibition games over in Japan. Now, some of it is against, uh, they're getting ready for the World Baseball Classic. But I also saw that some of the teams have got fall training. So the season ends and they're already doing some training. Kind of like uh, off-season drills and stuff. But (laughs) you're never going to see that here.
1: (laughs) No, no way. Okay, just this one last thing I wanted to add because I wanted to do something that goes a little further back. So we're going back to 2013. Oh, geez. It involves your Oakland Athletics and a player named Adam Rosales. Do you remember this guy? I do. He is going to be at
0: fantasy camp, and I'm very excited because his fans love Adam Rosales. This is very appropriate
1: then. In 2013, uh, the Texas Rangers on August 2nd waived Mr. Rosales, and he was picked up by the Oakland Athletics. Six days later, on August 8th, Oakland waved Adam Rosales, and Texas picked him back up. Four days later, on August 12th, the Rangers waved him again, and Oakland picked him up. So in a matter of 10 days, he went Oakland, Texas, Oakland, Texas. There's a guy that travels a lot, but only between two cities, my friend.
0: Yeah, I remember his car was caught up, uh, being shipped <laughs> like from Oakland to Texas, and then it had to be rerouted. <laughs> he is uh, now managing managing in the minor leagues for the A's. I forget, uh, I forget where he and Bobby Crosby are both managing in the minors. It's great. He was a jack of all trades. I mean, he played everywhere. A's fans loved him. He just he hustled. He was always diving and is always had a dirty uniform. I really one of those
1: guys. Yeah. nice.
0: All right, so now that is going to wrap up another uh, edition of Tales from the Dugout. What did I say? That was number 29 or something like that. 29. I
1: can't wait for 30. I got some ideas. (laughs) Okay. We're going to go way back to like maybe even the 80s. I don't know. Wow. Wow. I don't think any of our listeners will remember
0: that, but okay. All right, so uh, it's now time to head into the final portion of the show. It is uh, everybody's favorite Cardboard and wax-based one v one tête à uh, tet It is time for Wax Pack's heroes. Hit the field. Wax Pack hero.
1: Gotta pull the Wax Pack hero.
0: Don't Wax hero. On podcast tonight. All right, Mark. Uh, you. Had quite a victory last week. We are now knotted up at 11 apiece. We're playing to 20. I kind of am let down here. I had a lead for the first time ever a couple of times, and, and I now I've let it slip through my fingers. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to do something a little bit different again we've tried this once before it didn't work out wonderfully so we're gonna we're gonna try again we are gonna open because I bought two whole boxes of these things so we're gonna have to open them at some point uh, we are gonna open some triple a baseball cards and these are from 1991. So hopefully we're, we're hoping to get some guys that maybe we haven't had before because you know, they were in the minors at this point when we usually open up these cards. Uh, we're going to open these up. We're Assuming they made the major leagues at any point, we're going to go ahead and just pick their best year. And we'll pull the baseball reference war for that and we'll add that together. Got a couple of other things here that we can add on that we'll add to our totals. Anything on their face, sunglasses, flip downs, eye black, mustachioed gentlemen or women. I don't want to discriminate. That's an extra 10th of a point. Uh, If it's a good mustache, we might give it an an extra 20 points. Well, a 20th of a point, I guess. Uh, If they're wearing real stirrups that we can see sanitaries, that's good. That's an extra 10th. But if they're wearing two and ones, that's bad. That's a minus a 10th of a point. If the player played any of their final three seasons in Seattle, that's a 10th of a point for each of those. If they got sweatbands with their jersey number or caricatures on it. 10th of a point, two flaps or no flaps in the batting helmet, or either hand uh, not wearing a batting glove while holding a bat, 10th of a point. If in their best season in the major leagues they won an award, rookie of the year, Cy Young, MVP, all-star gold glove, half a point each. If there is a hall of famer on the card, this one might be a little hard, uh, regardless of whether they're the focus or not, that's a whole 10th of a point. Now, Mark, normally we say if Ricky Henderson or Nolan Ryan are on the card, we get extra points. That's out the window on this one, I think. Yeah. Can I have Tom Drees? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you threw those three no-hitters, remember? Oh, yes. No, I do. That that might have been a Tales from the Dugout. It was, I believe. Normally, Mark, we pick a team, and uh, if they're wearing that jersey on the card, we get a half a point. We're going to go ahead. We're going to each pick a team, and if they their best season they were on that team, you will get the half a point. So who are you going to go with this week?
1: I am going to go with um, the Expos Nationals franchise.
0: All right, the Expos Nationals. I'm going to go with, uh, I did a, I did a lot of Philly stories. uh today, oh, so I'm going to go with the Phils In honor of the National League champs. Uh, So I got these two packs, Mark. I got one in my left hand, one in my right hand. Which one would you like? This I can feel it. It's the right. Right. All right. I'm going to have you go first. Now, there are 12 cards in here. I feel like we're going to go through these pretty quickly. So we're just going to open all 12. Uh, A lot of these might not even have made the big leagues. So that's what happened last time. All right. Leading off might very well be the case. (laughs) Okay. I don't even know how you say this guy's name. Bob Ariel. Now, you're familiar with Bob? Yeah, so he was a Mariner, I think. Well, of course he was. Uh, All right. So these are all labeled pre-rookie 91, which just cracks me up. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, he did. Good news for you. His final season was with the Mariners. He actually came up with the Phillies. Oh, that's you. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, now this is tough. He played two years in the big leagues. He came up in 92 with the Phillies. And uh, went two and two with a 3.12 ERA. His final year in '93, he split time between the Phillies and the Mariners. Well, I mean, I guess you get the you get the half point for being a Mariner. But uh, let's see. Overall in '93, he went three and one with a 5.4 ERA in fewer games than he did in '92. Uh, he struck out almost twice as many in '92. I'm going to go ahead and say '92 was his better year. Makes sense. So he's a Philly that year. So I get the points, but you get you get the points for his uh, point four war. Plus he was a Mariner, so that'll be point five. But he's a, a Philly, so that just wipes it out. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> so it was a nothing card. It uh, did not ever exist. All right. Next card is uh, the oh, you got a minor league manager card. So this is going to oh, be even great. better managing the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Red Barons. It's Bill Dancy. Bill Dancy. Like, you know, that tune is very dancey. It's got a good melody to it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I give it a 44
0: <laughs> out of 62. That's right. Uh, let's see. Now, Bill Dancy played uh, in the in the minor leagues for six different yeah, six different seasons of the minor leagues Never made it to the big leagues. So mm. uh, unfortunately for you, there's no points. This is kind of along the lines of what we were expecting.
1: <laughs> yes. uh, he
0: did not ma- He did not manage in the majors, and he last. Oh well, he was the third base coach for the Phillies during the 2005 and 2006 seasons, and then worked as the minor league field coordinator for the Tigers. So do you get Philly points for him? I don't think so. No. Okay. All right. Now, hey, somebody we know. He's, you should get some good points out of here. Here he is. a uh, He's a pitcher for the Syracuse Chiefs, who are the Blue Jays franchise at this point. It's Juan Guzman. Oh, nice. A big leader. Yeah, I think you'll get some points out of here because we're going to look at his best season. So uh, Juan Guzman won two World Series. Uh, let's see, both of those with the Blue Jays, 92 and 93. He was also a all-star and won an ERA title in 1996, nice. which that might be his uh, best year. Actually, no. Now, his best year was either 92 or 93. I'm going to say it's probably 92. He was also an all-star that year. In 93, he did get Cy Young votes. Uh, I'm gonna go with '92 because in '93 he led the league in wild pitches with 26. <laughs> <laughs> so 1992, he went 16 and five with a 2.64 nice. ERA, one complete game, 182 innings, 165 strikeouts, and an ERA plus of 154, and all of that equals a WAR of 5.5. He was that an all-star. All Star. Yeah, he was an All Star. So that'll be six right out of the uh, right out of the barrel there. Sweet. Yeah, I think that's probably gonna be the best card we pull. Maybe <laughs> in both packs. All right, next oh well we've already mentioned him. This is great. It's wow. Glenbow, it's Glenn Wilson here with the Richmond team. Nice. <laughs> now this is a great picture because he has got some they're not even rec specs. They're just flat out glasses he needs to see he's wearing here. <laughs> yeah. He looks like he's about two years old in this, uh, this shot. Now, uh, Glenn Wilson, let's see, played for the Mariners, but not he in did. this last, uh, last three seasons. Uh, let's he also see. Play for the Phillies. We're getting a lot of Phillies Mariners. Let's it's do this. Weird. Let's uh, to, to, to decide their best year. We're going to just solely go by OPS plus. Okay. Which is sure not a, admittedly not the best way to do it but it's going to take too much time to do a bunch of comparison otherwise so 89 for him yeah 1989 uh he split time between the uh astros and the bucks overall he went 266 with the 115 uh, ops plus uh, He hit 266 11 home runs 64 rbi one stolen base five caught stealing
1: well, that's not the best ratio
0: that's uh yeah they, they don't think you want it to be that high overall that still equals a 3.5 wow yeah look at you go plus the glasses so that'll be a 3.6 i'm tempted to give you points because he did you know pose as Glenbow, but that's not on the card so i can't know <laughs> this is true uh first round draft pick overall by the tigers in 1980 let's see the mariners uh, acquired him and Dave Brundage and Michael Jackson for Phil Bradley and Tim Fortoguno. Fortugo, okay. Fortoguno? Do you remember Tim Fortoguno? No. no. Three years in the big leagues. Oh, he never made it to the big leagues with the Mariners, so maybe oh, that's, okay. that's why. Wait, I remember Fortuno. Uh, it's Fortuno is how you say it. Okay? Oh, Okay. Yeah I, remember, yeah, I remember Brundage. I remember Michael Jackson. I remember Phil Bradley, obviously. Well, I, I remember getting,
1: uh, my doctor telling me I needed more Brundage in my diet. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I did
0: increase the amount of Brundage I was eating. <laughs> I have no idea Come what Come on, Canadian was. Podcast Awards. This is...
1: <laughs> this is the best stuff this ever. Is, uh,
0: this is good stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Glenn Wilson owned and operated a gas station in Texas from 88 to 2006. How about that? That's awesome. Yeah, some passive income there for him now we're going to be on a passive income podcast list (laughs) probably (laughs) all right so you're at 9.6 you already topped your score from last week by quite a bit all right i think i remember this guy's name here he is an infielder for the uh, syracuse chiefs tom quinlan
1: yeah i remember tom quinlan
0: he played a little Yeah, Tom Quinlan played for four years, none of them consecutively. He uh, had a stipulation in this contract where he would only appear in the big leagues on even-numbered years. Apparently so. That's so weird. (laughs) He appeared in uh, a Blue Jays uniform in 90 and 92, a Phillies in 94, and a Twins in 96. Uh, Searching by OPS Plus, this one is an easy one. His rookie, well, I guess not. He played in one game in 90 and went one (laughs) for two. Well, we could give him ninety-four, where he actually appeared in in uh, twenty-four games as a Philly, and hit two hundred. I think we have to do that. One game yeah, I does think not really. That's the
1: only one that's going to matter.
0: Yeah. So let's see. As a Philly in ninety-four, he hit two hundred. One home run, his only career home run. Three RBI. Uh, let's see. Look at he walked three times. Got that going for. Him. He struck out thirteen. Fifty-six OPS plus, and a WAR of minus point minus 0.1. plus. He's a Philly, so that's going to be a minus 0.6 ouch but i like that i wonder how he negotiated that clause i think it's a religious thing you can't okay. play in odd years <laughs> oh get this he's the older brother of rob quinlan who uh, that okay. name is a much more familiar name especially the angels fans also yes. two spar uh two sport star in high school easy for me to say drafted by the calgary flames in the fourth round of the 86 nhl draft Wow. And he also was the first foreign-born Korean Series MVP when he led the Hyundai Unicorns to the championship in 2000. Go Unicorns? Yeah, and he and his brother Rob are part of the ownership group of the St. Croix River Hounds, a Northwoods League collegiate summer baseball team. Oh, nice. Some of that collegiate summer
1: stuff can be really fun to watch.
0: Yeah, that's on ESPN Plus. Those that Northwoods uh Yeah. or or is it maybe it's on uh, MLB.tv, but they they do show those. All right, next we uh, go to the Richmond team again here. This is a very stoic looking mountain of a man that is a catcher. His name is Kelly Mann. I think Kelly Mann did a little bit of big league time. That's Kelly Mann with two ends. Uh okay. let's see, yes, he played two years in the big leagues, both with Atlanta 89 and 90. Uh, I'm going to have to say 89 is rookie season. <laughs> if you can say was better, is, I guess so. They, neither of them that impressive. He hit 208, which was a career high, one RBI, a 51 OPS plus, and a war of zero. <laughs> you
1: know what? I'm actually happy with
0: that. Yeah, there's nothing on this card that's going to help you, but he photographs well. I mean, this is a good looking card. If I could look half as good as that in a baseball uniform, I would uh, I would do it. Nice. Oh, joined the Army after his uh, big league career. Oh, wow. Good for him. All right, uh, we've got another member of the Richmond team here, infielder Mike Bell. Mike Bell. There's been a couple Mike Bells. Uh, Two years with Atlanta, 1990 and 1991. He is indeed not the Mike Bell that is related to all the other Bells that have ever played in baseball. Because there's only one family line of bells. That's right. Uh, let's see. I would have to say his best year was probably his rookie year of 1990, where he had a 102 OPS plus in 36 games, 244 average, one home run, five RBI, a 102 OPS plus. I think I already said that, but he had a 102 OPS plus. And uh, all that is good for a war of minus 0.1. Well, wow. Is there another bell that Mike bell that I can tell? <laughs> <laughs> there is. But, and he was a plus point too, but uh, this is the actual one that's
1: <laughs> on the card that oh, we're okay.
0: talking about. Yeah, so that's so. so, uh so you got a couple of cards left here. Next we have got a pitcher for the Vancouver Canadiens, Kurt Hasler. This one you got me stumped on. Well, Kurt Hasler did not appear in the big leagues. Uh, Let's see, he uh, pitched for the White Sox throughout, uh, all the way from rookie ball, all the way up to AAA, but never made it to the big leagues. So uh, there is, well, he's got real stirrups on. How about that? Hey. Good news for you there. Native of Hawaii. Uh, I think that's uh, about as close as, oh, he was the bullpen coach for the uh, 2017 Chicago White Sox. How about that? Oh, well, that's cool. You know, you got a tenth of a point from him, so...
1: I'm I'm happy with that. I've been hitting minuses.
0: Yep. All right, next you have got a outfielder for the Calgary Cannons. It is Alonzo Powell. God, I remember him, but I'm not sure if it's just from the minors. The name seems familiar. Alonzo Powell. Well, you're going to get points because one of the two seasons he played was with Seattle. Maybe that's how you remember him. And that was his best year, too. Yeah, yeah. 1991 with the Mariners. He appeared in 57 games. 216, 3 home runs, 12 RBI, a 81 OPS plus, and that is good for a minus .5. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> well, he was with the Mariners though, so that'll only be a minus point four. And uh you seem and you take two steps forward and one step back, I believe is the great Paula yeah. Abdul once or no I'm sorry, the great MC Scat Cap. Come on, let's There you go. Make sure we give credit to <laughs> who's talking there. Oh, wow. Powell was the first foreign-born player in the NPB to capture three consecutive batting titles. Oh, wow.
1: That's impressive, actually.
0: Yeah, let's see. He played for the Chinichi Dragons for five seasons and then one final year with the Hanchin Tigers.
1: Very nice, actually. Where to go, Alonzo.
0: All right, so you've got uh, three cards left here. I don't, um, I don't think I remember this guy. He is uh, in an Expos minor league uniform, so you got to Keep your fingers crossed. It is catcher Jeremy Goff.
1: Again, I'm stumped on this one.
0: Well, the Google machine doesn't come up with anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. We've got Jared Goff. Here's a Twitter account for a Jeremy Goff that's tweeting about baseball. but uh, Could be. Yeah. We'll see I, any
1: big league time no matter what,
0: though. So, father of Rams, Super Bowl, Oh, Jerry Goff. Okay, no, Jared. I found it. No, he did play in the big leagues. All right. I don't know why this didn't come up. But uh, Jerry Goff, uh, first of all, obviously, Mark just spilled the beans. I guess that's the headline, right? That he is the father <laughs> of uh, quarterback somebody Goff. in Jared Goff. Who? Jared. Jared Goff? All right. He went to Cal, right? Uh, I think so. Sure. Because his, uh, his father is a big Cal. Oh, his father is born in San Rafael, California, the same as uh, myself. Oh, nice. Uh, let's Here's see the show connection. Yep. Uh, Jerry Goff. Hey, let's see if he can get him on the show. Jerry Goff played for six years in the big leagues. Let's see. His best year would probably have to be going to have to go with 1993. He had a 360 OPS Plus in 96, but that was in one game. In 1993, for the Bucks, he appeared in 14 games, hit 297, two home runs, six RBI, a 151 OPS Plus, and that will equal a war of 0. 0.4. I'll take it. Yeah, so you got that going for you. Um, oh, he did appear in Montreal, that, but his best year was in Pittsburgh, so no bonus for you there. All right, you got two cards. Oh, wow. This is easily the best card we've ever pulled in the minor league set. Oh, nice. Here he is with the Tucson Toros, Kenny Lofton. Oh, wow. I don't know. Did, did he ever uh, go on to appear in the major leagues? I'm not sure. I
1: think he did. I think he played for a few teams. <laughs> yeah.
0: Four-time Gold Glover, six-time All-Star, came in second in the Rookie of the Year balloting in 1992 behind Pat Listash. Obviously, Lofton went on to a much better career. Let's see. I'm going to have to say his best year might have been 1994. 94 with the uh, Cleveland franchise, he hit 349 All-Star Gold Glove, led the league in hits, uh, strike year, obviously 94, and stolen bases, had 12 home runs, 57 RBI, 60 stolen bases, a 4.12 on base and a 145 OPS+. Plus. All of that will equal a WAR of 7.2. Oh. Plus, he was an all-star in a gold glove, so that is 8.2. My goodness. Good card for you there. I don't think we've pulled Kenny Lofton a whole lot. Uh, holds the American League record for postseason stolen bases. Obviously, we've mentioned many times before, played basketball at the University of Arizona as well. Here's
1: one for you. You don't see this often. Lofton co-wrote the song What If on Ruben Stoddard's
0: 2006 album Soulful. Not the Velvet Fog. That's Mel Torme. What was what was, <laughs> what was nickname? He was on uh, no American idea. Idol, right? That's right. Yeah, I think so. I've never watched that show. I I just know he was there. I don't remember what. Uh... Oh, and we've also talked about he was on the Wayman's Brothers. That's George right. Lopez. How does Ruben Studdard not have a Wikipedia entry? I don't know. Should I write it? Yeah, I think you should take uh, take the initiative. Yeah, just be it was. Uh... Yeah, he's not the velvet fog, something other fog. All right, your final, oh, good, your final card is another manager card. Oh, good. (laughs) Uh, He was Kenny Lofton's manager in the minors. It is Bob Skinner. I wonder if he's Joel Skinner's father. Could be. Let's see. Wow, Bob Skinner played for 12 years in the big leagues. He won two World Series and was a three-time All-Star. He won world series with the Bucks in 1960 and the Cardinals in 1964. Wow. Overall in those 12 years he hit 277 as a left fielder, had 103 career home runs, lifetime uh, OPS of 773. And uh, if we're just doing this the dirty down and dirty quick way of OPS+, Plus, uh let's see either 58 or 62 would probably be his best years. Um, I'm going to actually say 1958 might've been, now i he was an all-star in 58, but I think 62, he was better. He hit 302. Uh, he was, a um, had 20 home runs, 75 RBI and had a 139 OPS plus, and that is good for a 3.6 war.
1: I tell you what, I got better scores in the minor league game than I did in the big league game.
0: Yeah, now he does also have some nice science teacher glasses on there as well. So that nice. will that'll bring you up. You ended up with a 20.9. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. That is better than what we usually do in the in the regular packs. So Yeah. But don't worry, mine will bring us back down to earth, no doubt. Well, there's probably 12 guys that never played in the big leagues, right? Yeah, and here it is. Skinner is the father of former Major League catcher Joel Skinner. There you go. You were right. All right, so you're at 20.9. That's going to be hard to beat. I'm not going to lie. And I Usually don't have... this is where I say you're going to need Hack Wilson,
1: but you're going to need a minor league card of Hack Wilson. Yeah,
0: I don't think he was playing <laughs> in 91. Uh, I've got a Albuquerque Duke outfielder. It is Butch Davis.
1: Albuquerque Dukes, yeah.
0: Great logo. All right, so I got a major leaguer at least. Uh, he played eight years in the big leagues. From 1983 through 94, he was up and down only appeared in 166 games total. I'm going to have to say that uh, his rookie season of 83 with the Royals, definitely his best year. 33 games, he hit three two home runs, six triples, 18 RBI, four stolen bases, and a one thirty-six OPS plus, and that is a war of 1.3. Yeah, you took a positive, Jeff. Yeah, so I'm, I'm off to a good start there. Let's see, he was a first base coach for the Twins for Paul Molitor's 2015 squad and was fired after 2016. Did an awful job of coaching first base, apparently. Made <laughs> a brief cameo in the 88 film Bull Durham. Oh wow. Wow. That's uh there you go, butch. I get a point for that. IMDB reference. That's gonna be one of our new things.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> next year. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Next I have got, oh, here's a guy we know. And he's got a can I just say a badass mustache going on here for the Oklahoma City 89ers, Roger Pavlik. Why do I remember Roger Pavlik? He was a reliever with the Rangers during his best uh, years. Hmm. Or I might have been a starter. Yeah, he was a starter. Seven years in the big leagues, all of it with Texas. Was an all-star once in 1996. And uh, let's see, for a pitcher, we'll probably just sort by era plus and look here looks like his best year was probably 1993 he went 12 and 6 with a 3.41 era 166 innings 131 strikeouts a 122 era plus and all of that will equal a war of 3.7 wow plus the mustache will be a 3.8 i like this so far boy i remember pavlik quite a bit yeah i remember a lot of common cards All right, Uh, Rogers' teammate on the 89ers that year is outfielder Dan Peltier, or Peltier, not Phil Plantier. No. I like to go with the French pronunciation and go Peltier. 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 Let's see, three years in the big leagues uh, 92, 93 with the Rangers, and then 96 with the Giants that uh, 93 year with the rangers probably his best year appeared in 65 games he hit 269 one home run 17 rbi caught stealing four times uh stolen base stolen bases zero 92 Oops. ops plus and a war of minus 0. 0.3 that is no help it depends on which side you're on that well to me which is right. the only side that really counts no help at all next card here for the iowa cubs it is scott may with a handsome mustache
1: not the basketball player, Scott May, obviously.
0: Uh, I couldn't tell you because I don't know about the basketball player, Scott May. This Scott May appeared in two different seasons in the big leagues, one for Texas, one with Chicago, the Cubs. Uh, let's see. I'm going to have to go. He appeared in five games total. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with his uh, 88 season with the Rangers, three games and 8.59 ERA. And that tells you what kind of pitcher, if that was his best year. Seven innings pitched, eight hits. A ERA plus of 50, and that is good for a war of minus minus point two. but he's got a good mustache. It'll only be a minus one. I wish I could say it was a two-tenths mustache, but I, I just don't. Not think quite there. Is. No, I, I can't. I can't do that in good conscience. Conscious, conscience. Next, uh, they seem to give you two guys from the same team in a row here because I got <laughs> another Iowa Cub infielder, Glenn Sullivan, wearing some good real stirrups.
1: I'm lost on Glenn Sullivan,
0: no clue. This is the kind of pack I expect from my. <laughs> uh, I did looks like he'd never made it to the big leagues. Uh, Glenn Sullivan, um, but, 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 yeah, never made it above Triple A, so I, I will get a tenth of a point for the the real stirrups, at least. But uh, played a lot for, well, only played for the Cubs in the minor leagues, but like I said, never got above Triple A. All right, next, I have got, oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, so uh, I've got a guy here, an infielder for the Louisville Redbirds. Now, I gotta mention two things here about this, this, first of all. First of all, he's got some science teacher glasses that literally cover up half of his face. There is nowhere his eyeballs can move where he is not looking out of these lenses. But I wanna mention that the Louisville Redbirds, their hat for this year, it's not a cardinal. You remember on Laverne and Shirley, Laverne on all of her clothes had a big cursive (laughs) L on that? Of course I do. Absolutely. I'm not sure, but this hat he's wearing might belong to Laverne because it's got a big (laughs) L on it. It, Oh, yo, that's funny. It is infielder Stan Royer. Stan Royer with (laughs) the Laverne cap on. Let's see, Stan Royer, wow, he played for four years in the big leagues. Uh, four years with the Cardinals, and then he was traded to the Red Sox at the end of his final year in 94. His best season, I'm going to have to say, would be 1993. He appeared in 24 games. He hit 304, One home run, eight RBI, and a 102 OPS plus, and uh, that'll be a war of zero. But he does have those glasses on, so another tenth of a point will take me up to 4.9. I don't believe I get anything for the Laverne hat, do I?
1: Oh uh, Man, you
0: should. You should.
1: Uh, you ever play the Laverne and Shirley game? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, it's when you wait for somebody to say something like, that's so disgusting or I've never seen anything so sick in my life. And then Lenny and Squiggy come in and go, hello. <laughs> the key is to time the hello exactly when they say it. That's the best game. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. Okay, <laughs> well,
0: that was David Lander, by the way, playing Squiggy, who was a scout. Yes, I know we've talked about. It. That's right. He was a huge baseball guy and was a scout. Yeah, uh, I should mention that Stan Royer drafted in the first round by the Oakland A's in 1988. Oh, there you go. he did not continue the Rookie of the Year uh, no. streak by the A's. He was, however, we've mentioned him before because he was dealt by the uh, by the A's to the Cardinals for Willie McGee. And he went along with Felix Jose to St. Louis. That's right. And we have definitely talked about that before. Um, Now, uh, Stan is the president of uh, Clarice Advisors, an investment advising and wealth management firm based in St. Louis. All right. Next, we got another Albuquerque Duke pitcher. I do not know that this guy played the big leagues. Jamie McAndrew. Uh, Big draw a blank here. Well, look at that, two years in the big leagues, at least two appearances. Let's see, uh, 95 and 97, both with Milwaukee. Definitely 95 was his better year. He went 2 and 3 with a 4.71 ERA, ERA plus of one zero six, and a war of a positive .2, or a positive .4. So I'll take that. Takes me up to 5.3. First round draft pick by the Dodgers in 89. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, it, I'm always fascinated to see when some of these guys were picked uh, Born in Williamsport, Pennsylvania And his father, Jim McAndrew, apparently was a major league pitcher for the Metropolitans Nice Also was the starting punter for the University of Florida football team in 86 and 87 No kidding Uh-oh, maybe this is why we haven't heard of him very much Was a scab
1: Oh, replacement 95 player In the
0: 95 season, yeah So he is not collecting that pension. All right. So I'm at 5.3. You finished at 20.9 somehow. Uh, Next, we've got a Red Sox coach, not even a manager. It's the coach of the Paw Sox, Mark Molesky. Okay. You're on your own on this one, pal. I wish you the best. All right. Let's see. It does not look like he made the major leagues. Kicked around in the minor leagues for six years, all with Boston, but never made it above double A. So that is not gonna help me out. It uh, looks like you did some uh, some more coaching in the minor leagues, but that's it. No, nothing for me. Doesn't help. All right, I've got four cards left here. Uh, this is I'm shooting my shot right now. I'm just telling you, I'm at five point three. You're at twenty point nine. This is a guy we've heard of. Uh, he's a member of the Paw Sox. He was being coached by Mark Molesky. And uh, he also now, at least he used to own a trucking company since he retired. It is infielder, but we know him to be first baseman, Mo Vaughn. I, I have heard of that guy. I think you might have a good season or two in him. Yeah, uh, let's see. Three-time All-Star, league MVP. That might be the year we're going to choose. And a silver slugger, one of the last players to wear number 42 in the big yep. leagues. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Looking at his 12 years of service. Wow, his MVP season actually not even really close to his top three or four OPS plus seasons. <clears throat> I'm not sure that it's truly his best season, but I think as the MVP that year, I've got to gotta choose 95. I mean, like 96, he hit more home runs, had a better average. Yeah, I think I got to go with the MVP. Plus, I'm not going to lie, that's going to get me half a point. <laughs> <laughs> plus he was an all-star and a silver slugger that year so that is oh no silver slugger doesn't get us but it's a whole point just for that in uh, 1995 uh, led the league with 126 rbi also 150 strikeouts stole 11 bases was only caught four times nice yeah hit 300 uh, 575 slugging a 144 ops plus and all of that equals... Ah, oh, I should have gone with 96. He had a 5.6 war. In 95, he just had a 4.3.
1: Well, you'll never catch me now.
0: Uh, I get a 5.3 plus uh, for the all-star in the MVP, and he's got a mustache, so that'll be a 5.2. Maybe that's how we should do it in the in the future, is just look at the war and just take their highest war. It's probably the best season. idea. It's probably, well, but we'll, we'll do that next time. This is a much better pack uh, than the ones we did the first time. Uh, Mo Vaughn, first-round pick in 89 by the Red Sox, and then was traded by the Angels to the Mets for Kevin Apier. Oh wow,
1: Apier's a solid pitcher. Yeah. He played um, on that Seton Hall team. He hit 57 home runs, uh, which is a team record. And uh, that was the same team Craig Biggio played on.
0: All right, I got three cards left here and I'm not feeling confident. I'm at 10.5, I'm half of your total. And I've got with the Omaha Royals, Daryl Smith, a pitcher. Daryl Smith. All right. Well, uh, if you look him up in baseball reference, he is just Dar Smith. Oh, okay. It's kind of weird. Daryl Clinton Smith. One year, he appeared in the big leagues, two games, 1990 with the Royals. And it's interesting, the picture in baseball reference is the picture from this card. They just airbrushed out the uh, Omaha logo on the hat. But it is the exact it is the picture from this card. Let's see, in one game he took, or in two games, he took one loss, 4.05 ERA, six six and two-thirds innings pitched, and a 100 even ERA plus. A war of positive .1, and he's got a mustache. So that'll be a positive .2. So I'm on my way now. Finished his career in uh, the Chinese Professional Baseball League in 95, as it was known for the Sinan Bulls. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, my second to last card is an infielder for the Tidewater Tides, Jeff Gardner.
1: Jeff Gardner, not the actor. Uh,
0: Jeff Gardner, four years in the big leagues. Let's see, the Mets, two with the Padres, and one with the Expos. So if that happens to be his best year, which I don't think it is, we're going to get points. I think 93 is going to be his best year. 140 games, never appeared more than 42 except for in 93 hit 262 one home run his lone career home run 24 rbi two stolen bases and an 86 ops plus and that will equal a war of a career low minus 0. 0.2 oh no this uh this card is uh, great because the word tides is written very large across the chest of his jersey and his hat so you always know who you're playing that's good all right and my final card uh, pitcher for the royals Greg Everson. Greg never appeared in the big leagues. So that's that's not going to help me out, I don't think. I don't think I get any points for that.
1: You get like a, I think there's a consolation prize or something.
0: Yeah, the consolation prize is his wispy little mustache here, which will uh, bring my total up to 10.6. And for the first time this season, Mark, I am now trailing. I, oh, my. I'm in my familiar position of looking up to you. <laughs> You're the only one, pal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, these these packs were a lot better than what we've had in the past. Uh, we yeah, got that some was
1: cool. We got to talk about some guys we don't generally get to talk about.
0: Yeah, like Roger Pavlik. We had Mo Vaughn, Kenny Lofton. Uh, you know, some guys that actually had some good careers. Alonzo Powell was an interesting one to talk about. Glenbow. we had Glenn Wilson and Juan Guzman. So uh, those were a lot better. Well, maybe we'll do a double A one of these times because I've got a box of double A cards as well. So. Nice. Right. that's going to wrap up this episode of wax packs heroes it's also going to do it for this episode of the show so if you want to get a hold of us throughout the week uh also see what else we're doing we're on social media you can find us at two strike noise that is twitter instagram YouTube, you can look at our old stuff there. We are also we are now on Mastodon. Uh, Anything we post on Twitter also goes there. But uh, you can find us there in case we do need to ditch the uh, the bird app here in the near future, uh, because we're definitely not going to pay for that stuff. But uh, Mark, we also have a free email address where people can send us notes, pictures, video files, uh, hate notes if they want. I don't. I don't know. I. Wouldn't want to do that. Or, you know, let us know that they have now uh, accepted us into the Canadian Podcasting Hall of Fame. They can do that all through a uh, an email address you have.
1: Yeah, you have to type in two strike noise at gmail.com. Spell that out, T-W-O, strike noise at gmail.com. And then make sure you hit send
0: yeah, because that helps. Yeah, we don't see it if you don't hit send. so. Make sure you do that Alright That's gonna do it for this episode Thank you once again For listening And you know what We'll do it again next week When uh, we're here For another episode Of Two Strike Noise Thank you God bless you Have a great day